0: Evening ghouls and... shit. Good evening ghouls and fiends. Not ghouls and shit. Um, How goes it? We are back once again with another episode of the Ministry of Horror. Live on twitch.tv forward slash Tezius T-E-Z-Z-I-U-S. I am, of course, your host, as always, Tez. And um, first, of course, I have to give a shout-out to our guest last week, uh, The Gruff. Thank you very much uh, to the graph for coming on board again. Um, I've recently finished, finally finished, uh, a rewatch of Criminal Minds. Not the latest season, the. I um, can't remember what the subtitle was of it, but I figured that was fairly recent. So I, 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 I'd i completely forgotten how short season 15 is 15 or 16. One of the two. It's, it's a shorter series. Uh, okay, I think the Braun Strowman look alike. I mean, there's worse people to to look like. I mean, Braun Strowman's uh, is a big, beefy man. He's you know, is a, a strong boy. So now that that, uh, that is finished, I will hopefully um, start allocating some time to uh, to give an Angel a rewatch, uh, where time permits. The problem is with these shows, the the older shows were like twenty episode seasons, and with Angel, it's only five seasons as opposed to fifteen of Criminal Minds, but still, it's, it's, it's a time commitment. I mean, part of me a while ago, um, after talking with, I think Crimson Mel had been on the show, and we talked about Supernatural, and I never finished Supernatural when it was originally on air. Uh, I think I kind of bowed out around season 11 or 12, the Men of Letters was starting to come quite a bit more prominent, and I was just getting a bit bored. I think it was about three or four seasons away from when it actually finished, and uh, part of me thought, all of it is on Prime now, I'm going to jump back in do a rewatch, and it has been fun there's a lot of really good older episodes it does just take so long you're looking at 40 45 minutes an episode 20 episodes a season on average you know some seasons i think series three was a shorter season from memory i think around that time there might have been like a writer's strike and a lot of shows were cut down a bit um but i digress i digress we've uh (laughs) <laughs> hey Fran, Fran's in the chat the music is so good though yes for some reason season one on streaming i think has had bog standard music replaced i don't know if that was a licensing thing i was sure when season one aired on tv or when i initially had the box set it had licensed music uh but that's all back for series two onwards and yeah there's a lot of great songs that i kind of discovered from supernatural such as carry on wayward son by uh kansas who i mean the pinnacle is an incredible song of theirs along with um um play the game tonight and what's the one with the crazy violin solo on the chorus how long to the point of no return that's that's the one that's the one that's on the tip of my tongue um i've got some low latency apparently i'll just have to see how that goes any issues obviously let me know in the chat um but yeah great song so you know far far from home by a a foreigner brilliant song that uh, i wouldn't probably maybe not have heard of if not for supernatural um but yeah so i'm thinking angel might be the next sort of deep dive because we've been discussing for ages doing an angel episode uh of the ministry of horror which brings me to today's discussion point a bit later on uh, a regular um, podcast listener who's quite um, active in the Discord, Matt Wyatt, had mentioned in the past doing a, maybe doing a cryptozoology episode, a hairy scary episode, uh, something kind of around Bigfoot. And um, initially I was kind of thinking, yeah, well, yeah, Bigfoot is one of those legends, myths, mythos that has uh, been around for a long time and through different cultures have their own you know one one uh place may call it bigfoot another different locale, locale maybe sasquatch another different locale maybe the yeti abominable snowman it's the same kind of principle really it's uh, uh a being kind of uh, linked to humans but maybe from the past maybe a bit of a genetic offshoot that is larger walks bare yeah, barefoot and covered in hair and uh you know, in the general mythos, normally, they're just to keep themselves to themselves. With horror, we take that, bring it into uh, killing and maiming, is the the you know the course of the day. And I thought to myself, I don't think I've really watched any uh, hairy scary films. I actually think I have. Um, and I do remember that a little while ago, I think last year, I'd gone through uh, another little uh, collection, Spurge. So, with me... I am a, a bit of a collector, a film collector, but then I also have those particular months, which I think we all do, where there's been some expensive bills or things have, things have gone on. And so then I need to take those films to like CEX or eBay and uh, hope to recoup some of that expense to uh, to get by for a week or so. These things happen. We're only human. So I had picked up Night of the Demon, which is a new release, I think, from maybe Arrow um, or Red Light Media, Second Sight, something like that. I think it may have been Arrow. Um, and I sort of picked it up, not really knowing anything about it, but thought, well, oh, that's kind of cool. I will admit, I did not know it was a Bigfoot film. So that was the first proper Bigfoot film that I'd seen. I will also admit, I struggled through it. <laughs> it, it wasn't for me. So we won't be discussing that later on. But I had some suggestions from Matt Wyatt, so I do appreciate that. And honestly, if anyone has film series or genres, subgenres, directors, actors, actresses, um, that you think could be an interesting topic of discussion for a show, let me know either in the live chat or in the Discord. And uh, if it's not something we've discussed, well, not discussed recently, then sure, we uh, we will tackle it and have a chat about it. Um... Certainly. So, he gave me some suggestions. Um, I, I I I had to look at what was available uh, on streaming. Oh boy, <laughs> there was a lot to wade through. Uh, but I have found four films uh, of varying merit relating to Bigfoot. So that is going to be the main discussion a bit later on. We also have one main film review, which will be Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, I actually... I normally just look to see when there's new films if they're on Shudder. Shudder's having another very quiet spell. You know that when there's no new movie section on their homepage, uh, on the the streaming app that is through Prime. I, I don't, you know, I don't pay for their main, their separate app because I just use it through Prime. It's easier for me. Um, so you know when it's quiet on there. So, okay, having a look on other platforms. Netflix is very kind of quiet on new horror. Like, they're getting some classics on there. They're getting some nice um, worldy horror but then not really getting new exclusives on netflix that doesn't seem to be so much of a thing these days um and ebbs and flows really with sky anyway happened to be crawling through prime looking for some i just wanted a new horror film uh to to discuss and i thought okay i need to stop being a cheapskate let's have a look what's in the store and they had um like a half price thing so i was able to rent for i think two pounds five nights at freddy's so that is this evening's film for review uh we've got a lot of news to get through and we will have a watch party later on i think i earmarked a film called nightmare but you know what we may well just go for something like i know what you did last summer or a modern slasher that has a semi good rating because the last few films have been kind of i will say dog shit i didn't really like nefarious which we watched last time um, I can't remember the films we watched the times before that, but they've, the, the the quality hasn't been there. I think is uh, fair to say. But before further ado, uh, it, it's it's horror news time.
1: This is the news. Oh 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 oh.
0: Yeah. This I'll cut understand? just thought I'd see how long that could go. Apparently there's 25 more minutes of the uh, the news thing, so who knows? Maybe one day I would really want to stretch uh, stretch out the show we'll play the whole thing who, who cares so straight off the bat we are going to be talking about the new horror releases that have come this week uh, on uh, BloodyDisgusting.com. all the horror news comes from BloodyDisgusting.com. please do check out the site it's very very cool um and also they're quite active on twitter or x with uh, with horror news and tidbits so it's worth checking out so um this is from John Squires, who at one point did follow me on Twitter. Don't know why. Um, also, got some good news, actually. I've, I kind of forgot to mention. Um, I got an email. Uh, I won't go into the detail because we should be able to discuss it next week. But I got an email about a new film from a renowned British label that is coming out to uh, digital platforms in early March. Um, and I have been sent a review copy which i was completely not expecting i'd never get emails um from media um about exclusives uh but it was very cool very unexpected i think um i believe there is someone in the discord who has uh sent me nuggets that they've received before for uh like uh exclusive trailers so it may well have been um have been them so i thank you very much uh let
1: me actually just just check because my memory is is awful. Um For some reason my Discord on the computer has
0: everyone's names as just a letter at the beginning to begin with. So I don't actually know who these are, it's just maybe S. So this maybe I'll be Sethy. Um I will see if I can reload it to confirm. If it wasn't and it was just uh another fortuitous Way of it coming coming to to me, then um, thank you very much. But yeah, essentially,
1: a screener has been sent to me for um maybe it was Swindon Dan. Oh no, Rick Moran, I believe it was Rick Moran. So th- this may well
0: have been uh, Rick passing on my details so if that is the case i do appreciate that thank you very much rick um if not it's just very fortuitous um so yes just you can maybe piece together um a legendary british label releasing a film coming to digital platforms in march um i will i haven't watched it yet but this has only happened this afternoon but I will watch it and um, review it for the next show because there is a review embargo. So that's another reason why I I wouldn't have had time to watch it before the show. Anyway, it's been a very, very, very busy day. But um, another reason why I wouldn't be able to go into detail just yet. But very, very cool news. Um, anyway. Oh, Eddie's got um, got half term off college. Hallelujah. Excellent, um, excellent news, Eddie. What was it your are uh, studying at college, horror history, maybe perchance? chance? Um, oh God, I've got a pop up on uh, bloody bloody disgusting dot com. Uh, and Fran says, "Nice, good to hear getting recognition." I know, again, very very surprising. I somehow was on some sort of mailing list from them, and uh, very cool to hear. But these are the new horror releases that are coming from. February 13th, so prior to Valentine's Day. Now, one of the things I will just shout out... Not shout out. I will just say here, there seems to be a bit of an Alice in Wonderland theme. Okay, so I mentioned in... um. In the discord that i would be a couple of minutes late because i am actually watching the trailers for the new films before the show i know that's the amount of times literally since day dot of you know year zero um hell satan i have talked about the new films in the horror news uh the new releases and gone oh this sounds kind of interesting I haven't watched the trailer yet oh this looks like it might be interesting I Haven't watched the trailer yet. Oh, this doesn't sound like my sort of thing i haven't even watched the trailer yet it probably would be helpful if I actually spent five minutes before the show watching said trailers. So, you know what? I thought, there's not that many. Let's actually just watch some of these. And, yeah, the first film of these I did actually see on uh, on the store on Amazon Prime, but I figured uh, I will spend my well-earned, well, well-earned money on uh, a couple of quid to rent a film that's got a big release and isn't potentially. Hmm. Um, but... But talking about the Alice in Wonderland theme, the first new film on the list is is Alice in Terrorland. The classic story of Alice in Wonderland can easily be tweaked into a horror tale, and that's probably why it's been done several times over the years. Up next is the indie horror movie Alice in Terrorland, which High Flyers films just released on VOD and DVD. In Richard John Taylor's Alice in Terrorland, a recently bereaved teenage girl goes to live with her aunt in a secluded woodland house, unaware that sinister forces lurk within. So, as I said, I actually watched the trailer. It looks kind of interesting now when it comes to um so I'm I'm aware of the horror tinge of Alice in Wonderland. I mean the, the Disney version, you could the Disney cartoon, I should say. I haven't seen anything of the live action ones, but this is a cartoon you could say there's the moments of peril and the weird design of some of the characters there's a bit of a horror tinge to it Lucky McGee um did or wrote or developed I, I don't know what his role was but there was Lucky McGee's Alice and Lucky McGee's Alice in Wonderland the the t- whatever the nightmare continues the terror continues um so there's been a horror element around it but I did wonder, is this one of those things that's entered the public domain fairly recently with, you know, obviously the Winnie the Pooh films and The Grinch and whatnot? So, I didn't bother looking at the trailer initially when it was on the Prime Video store. Watch the trailer this evening. It looks like there's potential. It is going down the route of grimy realism, uh, so in terms of... Like the cover artwork you've got a girl in the sort of blonde girl uh, in, with the Alice dress, blue sort of uh, checkered sort of dress. I don't know the technical terms. Um, but the actual trailer has um, characters who look like they're based in the real world. Um, and it's kind of introducing various characters like the Cheshire Cat and whatnot, but as these distorted kind of humans, like murderous. So it does look like it's got that kind of grimy element. So you get an idea of what sort of horror it would be. It's not going to be a big budget affair. It's going to be more of your kind of modern grindhouse, I guess, is a potential way to to, to look at it. Um, doesn't look terrible. I may not spend money to rent it. But if it appears on Prime or, or, or Shudder or whatnot, I will check it out because it looks like there's... There's potential there. That's the nicest thing I can say. I didn't think it looked shite, which is a positive. Next up, after an experimental drug trial goes awry, the test subjects face a terrifying side effect. If you fall asleep, you die. Epic Pictures released the new movie Double Blind on VOD today. That's just Tuesday. Trapped in an isolated facility, panic ensues as the test subjects try to stay awake. Double Blind comes from director Ian Hunt Duffy and writer Darak McCarrigal, Pollyanna McIntosh, Millie Brady, and um, Akshay Kumar-Star. Okay, this one did grab my attention. There was... uh, It kind of had
1: that, um... I don't want to say grimy because it didn't seem grimy, but it had that, uh...
0: Thriller-esque feel. Oh, apparently the website's just suddenly dropped. Dodgy. It had this thriller sort of feel to it with a a bit of an otherworldliness. I guess I could sort of liken it to a bit like the film was called Come True that came out last year, which I actually thought was kind of good. I didn't I wasn't a massive fan of the ending. But I think visually and aesthetically it was really, really interesting. I really quite liked what what they went with this kind of otherworldly uh, hellscape, in 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 a way, I thought it was very quite interesting, and it's a film that I probably wouldn't mind giving it a rewatch at some point. Actually, there's there's quite a few moments in it where it just I liked what they were going for. It wasn't perfect. There were there were a few sort of missteps here and there, you know, editing choice wise, and the, the finale I wasn't that I wasn't that fussed with. But this double blind seems quite interesting. I mean, it's not a new concept. If you fall asleep, you die. I mean, we've obviously seen it with uh, Freddy Krueger and other, other things. But, um, yeah, I will I will check that out for sure. Um, now, I did watch the trailer for... <laughs> There's two trailers next that, I'm going to be honest, seem like they could be interesting, but also kind of blurred into one. Um, oh, let's see the chat. Uh, so... Fran, I heard Madame Web is horror. Sorry, no, it's horrendous. Um, we so we talked about it briefly on uh, on uh, one of the, the streams. I think we did a watch party recently, and yeah, this this uh, Sony Spider Man. C U so SSCU or whatever they were calling it, whatever bullshit name they gave it. Has not really hit the ground running at all. It's been quite faltering. Uh, Morbius, mm, you know. Well it wasn't it was I thought Morbius was quite forgettable. I certainly didn't think it was as bad as it'd been made out to be, but I thought it's there's not a lot to it. Not a character I'm that interested in anyway. Um, Venom, I think the first Venom was a lot better than it was made out to be. The reviews slandered it. I actually thought it was quite fun. Um, And I think Tom Hardy's kind of Marmite. I mean, my sister fancies, fancies the pants off Tom Hardy. I think his acting is very Marmite in terms of some performances can be very very good uh some gravitas lent to the roles other ones can be a bit kind of slapstick where it doesn't necessarily think feel that's what they were going for you know that's where i kind of say marmite but i think it was a good eddie brock um venom 2 though i did think was quite crap which is a shame because carnage is a character that i've always found really quite fun and interesting but it's a serial killer at the end of the day it's not really fun but uh um Eddie says, I guess in regards to Tom Hardy, he says, my mum does too. It makes me sick.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, and Fran, good, good good, shout actually for a tagline for Double Blind. You snooze, you lose. I mean, they're missing a trick if they don't use that. Um, but yeah, next, next up. Um, yeah, so talking about Madame Webb, it's the character I'm only familiar with as an old lady, old blind lady from uh, the Spider Man animated series, which we are getting x-men 97 which looks so cool like i'm very hyped about that i'm getting a big i got a big nostalgia hit from the trailer because i grew up with the x-men i guess the original x-men cartoon spider-man animated series to a lesser extent and fantastic Four, the the incredible hulk i'm sure that there were others around that sort of time but it was a really rich time for to be a fan of you know the superhero cartoons and then prior to that was obviously the batman the animated series and new adventures of batman and robin anyway going off on a tangent here <laughs> the next two films we've got gravitas ventures latest cell phone highlights the perils and horror of technology surrounding the piece of tech we rely on most our phones sound VOD and digital. In cell phone, Wynne, who is grieving the death of her fiancé, starts seeing disturbing images on her cell phone about her future. If she doesn't figure them out in time, she will die. Whitney Rose, Pin, Justin Malik Jackson, Jared Noble, Isaac Saw, and Catherine Barber star alongside Malcolm McDowell. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing in the tech thriller. <laughs> I mean, Malcolm McDowell is one of those actors where after seeing a number of his later roles, I've sort of thought, why is he... I know he was in uh, A Clockwork Orange, but I've yet to see anything where I've thought, that's a good performance. I mean, he was Loomis in Rob Zombie's Halloween *Halloween* 2, and shouldn't really take too much out of his particular performance, but it wasn't very good. Um, I don't think he was very good in Community, and that was one of my favourite shows of the last few years. Uh, he was in 31 the Rob Zombie film and he added nothing to that and that was alright, I mean it's a Sherry Moon zombie starring film so you're kind of limited there um, shots fired <laughs> so I did watch this trailer, I mean it looked quite slick um, was it adding really anything new? No, did it excite me too much? No, did it look bad? Not really Um, but yeah, there, there we go Uh, But next up, from Gravitas Ventures director, Kyle Kleeg's Earworm is also out on VOD. In the film, Henry Adams, a socially awkward man seeking help for his condition, accepts an invitation to a self-help group that is more than it seems. Danger is around every corner as Henry goes deep into the treatment. Meanwhile, Detective Williams investigates a series of strange murders that has too many similarities to not be connected. Following the clues, he stumbles across more than he bargained for. Am I more than you bargained for? Uh, Richard Lunello, Evan Jones, and John Romeo Star. So trailer for this looked kind of interesting. Again, it didn't blow me away, and that might have been because time was ticking on and I needed to get the uh, the show on the road. Um but it looked like there was some something kind of interesting in there, maybe maybe um it looked like quite a dark taunt. Thriller and I'm always down for a good thriller. We don't really get classic thrillers anymore these days; they're either horrors or lighter horrors or dramas. We don't really seem to get proper at least that I'm aware of proper good um procedural thrillers like you know bone collector uh, copycat like that that sort of thing. The nineties was a really rich era for that um you yeah, know obviously. A bit earlier than that would have been Signs of the Lambs and so on and so forth. Um, do you know what I am actually reading at the moment, which I think they need to they they need to make these into into a film or a TV series? Um, is Chris Carter's books? I don't think is any relation to the X Files creator. Um, I'd previously read The Executioner which I found out was book two or book three. I, I, I didn't know when I picked it up. But I'm now going back and I'm reading The Crucifix Killer. There's a whole series around this uh, detective Robert Hunter, which if you're a crime writer, that tends to be what happens. You know, Lincoln Rhyme in the uh, Jeffrey Diva books, like Bone Collector, so on and so forth. We don't really get those kind of classic thriller films, and I would like to see more of those. During when I was heavily involved in filmmaking... That's something I always wanted to do a bit more of, would be something like a good, tense cat and mouse game thriller with some horror elements in there. But you want to do that, you want to be a bit more ambitious with uh, with the storytelling. You need some you need some Wonga. You need some Wonga. You ain't gonna achieve that down on the, the the streets and in you know areas that you can actually film. Um anyway, I don't know if this earworm's gonna be anything like that, but who knows? A thriller's a thriller. Next up, you can either make the meal or be the meal breaking glass pictures also has a new horror movie this week with alice and the vampire queen available now directed by dan lance and starring shelby hightower graham wolf brenna carnuccio rachel aspen danielle muillen xavier michael chris james boylan and aaron villa the film fixes on an ex-con who struggles to overcome her past scars strange offer Um, A stranger offers her a deal. Create one special dish for the Vampire Queen. What's the deal? (laughs) That just seems like a request or an instruction. The film, produced by Dan Lance, Richard Wolf, and Susan Helfrich, is said to explore themes of resilience, transformation, and the power of choices Alice confronts not only the external threats posed by the supernatural forces at play, but also the internal demons she must conquer to forge her path to redemption. Now this was the only trailer that i thought okay man, this you can tell this is a more of a independent independent film which i don't think should necessarily be a bad thing you have to support filmmaking support the independence um but at the same point time is limited a lot you know uh, a lot of people now have more commitments more you know less time available to sink into just any old kind of film um or tv show and this did certainly look like on the cheaper end of the spectrum in terms of just like kind of shots the lighting the acting um it kind of went for that kind of comedy horror but the comedy isn't really like comedy that's funny it's just like it's a bit kind of light-hearted there's moments where all these vampires are at the beach and casually biting people and she's like i think it's in a voiceover she's saying i'm just struggling to kind of get my head around the uh, vampire thing and it's like okay this is just a bit on the nose for me so no this is one of the trailers that i thought okay no probably won't watch that to be honest uh fran in the chat i've read the executioner what did you think fran um i find with his books like a good kind of thriller they're not necessarily exceptional reads you know i wouldn't say the executioner was amazing and i, I imagine i imagine the crucifix killer also won't be amazing but i find that they're just really easy to read and sort of sort of uh just get through the pages pretty promptly, and I'm finding especially reading it on kindle each each chapter is like five minutes if that, so it's very easy to just kind of get get through good percentages each each evening of reading um Eddie's also heard of that book, yeah, the executioner the executioner is decent, I think it is book two or book three in the series, but I mean it's not really connected, you know there's no real major important references to prior moments that I can think of. And anyway, the final... Fucking hour, we're 40 minutes in. (laughs) The final new film is the horrors of the dark web are explored in Dark Star Pictures' new movie, Midnight Peep Show. And you can meet the Black Rabbit on VOD outlets beginning February 13th. So, I mentioned at the start of the news that this is like the Alice in Wonderland week. So, the previous film, Alice and the Vampire Queen, in the trailer there is a moment of uh, Alice are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? And she's like, I haven't heard that one before. Fucking hell. And then when we get to this, the whole Meet the Black Rabbit is this online platform, which is, you know, follow Alice into Wonderland. So that's where we seem to have this theme this week. So... In Midnight Peep Show, we're introduced to an unnamed madame who owns and operates a peep show offering patrons a tailor-made experience wrapped around their deepest desires, fears, and sins. Tonight, it welcomes a businessman who has a unique connection to an extreme fantasy website on the dark web. He soon becomes a witness to three stories of victims that found the same website, and now the Midnight Peep Show has found him. It will only be a matter of time before he is made to pay the ultimate price for dabbling in the dark side of his own desires. Uh, Ariel Anthony Hayes, Andy Edwards, Jake West, and um, Ludovica Musimici, directed. Um, I think I know Jake West. The cast includes Zach Gilligan, Chira Dan- Dan- Dana, Richard Cotton, Sarah Diamond, Jamie Bacon, Derek Nelson, Jack Fairbank, Mickey Davis, Ryan Olivia, and Ocean M. Harris. Trailer for this looked pretty decent, actually. Um, very dark, very gory I, I imagine but uh intriguing intriguing nonetheless definitely one that i think i will keep an eye out for but well, that has been the new horror films we've got plenty of news but we may trim some of it down uh fran in the chat says it's um it's a while since i read it but i enjoyed it i read a lot of james patterson's so that kind of crime thriller is an easy read for me yeah so i i found reading book one of seven well i think there's like 12 but the, the i've got a seven book Pack from Amazon for like thirty pounds uh, of the Bone Collector series. But the first book is the Bone Collector, the the Lincoln Rhyme series. Really, really good. Just again, those sort of crime thrillers, pulpy thrillers, whatever you want to call them. Just are real good page turners. You can really blitz through them. I wouldn't necessarily say that they are like oh my god ten out of ten. That was just an incredible read that really stuck with me. But they all seem to be so far solid seven out of tens. It's enjoyable. I got through it. I never felt bored. Good book. You know. It's like that that TikTok guy, Bevo, guy just basically inhales food, doesn't chew it, and goes, oh, seasoned well, 7 out of 10. Oh, Yorkshire pudding. Yep, seasoned well, 7 out of 10. And he makes a lot of money on social media. I just... It makes you despair while you go to go to work and put a shift in when when morons make money from eating um, anyway I, I digress exciting news here if you know you're a fan of collecting physical media and have done in the past 10 20 years anchor bay entertainment level label resurrects with puppet horror abrucio Abru- um, and doc Documentary, Dinner with Leatherface. So a familiar label for horror fans is getting a resurrection. Umbrella Entertainment co-founders Thomas Sandbeck and Brian Katz are bringing back a new iteration of Anchor Bay Entertainment with the goal to curate a new library of films for distribution. Projects that range from new release genre films, undiscovered treasures, cult classics and remastered catalogue releases. The new launch comes with a pair of acquisition titles, Puppet Horror Film Abrucio, and Documentary Dinner with Leatherface. We had an opportunity to take the name of a beloved genre film brand, one we feel a personal connection to for a new company, says uh, Zambek in a press release statement. This is a new venture, unaffiliated with any previous incarnations. We aim to honour the history and the spirit of the past as we look for interesting films that break the mould and will be discovered by new generations for years to come. In Lionsgate's acquisition of Stars in December 2016, the studio absorbed the North American branches of Anchor Bay Entertainment. The Anchor Bay Entertainment trademark was up for acquisition, so Zanbrek and Katz took the opportunity to require it. That means that the new Anchor Bay Entertainment doesn't include the previous label's library. But Zanbrek and Katz are quickly looking to build up the new
1: library. So, this is quite interesting. So, I, um, I, I, I mean... For horror collectors today... Who may have been in collecting, you know,
0: DVDs or Blu-rays or 4Ks for a couple of years, will probably be like, "Oh, Arrow, Arrow's the premium company." Maybe second sight, you know, maybe 88 films, um, but Arrow—they're kind of the top of releasing genre classics, really. You know, deep cuts, and and they they do very nice box sets. You know, I've I've never bought an Arrow release and been like. That yeah, looks a bit shit. You know, they 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 put effort into their releases, but I do remember back in the day, Anchor Bay, being the horror company for DVDs. I got my first copy of uh, Halloween on Anchor Bay. I believe the uh, box of the band was an Anchor Bay release. Maybe it's quite a few releases back in the day of Anchor Bay. They were kind of like whilst Vipco at that time was maybe fading away at that point. It had its boom in, in the DVD market. Uh, Anchor Bay was then sort of releasing more of your your mainstream horrors, your um, big famous re-releases of kind of classic hits. Um, it, was, it was big, and it was one of those companies I always remember sort of just thinking, you don't really see Anchor Bay releases much anymore, and that would be why. Um, so I understand this I mean we've talked before in the past I used to be involved in Vipco Vipco's a big company back in like the 80s, 90s early 2000s for bootleg releases and uh, releasing the black covered films, the Vipco Vaults of Terror, Vaults of Horror whatever, um, you know Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox and House by the Cemetery, oh I remember the TV adverse of for Vipco and that got brought back by a guy called Peter Hopkins a few years ago. He then had uh, sold the company to me and a couple of other guys. We ran it for a little while, as best as we could, um, with with, with the very limited resources. But we got a few releases out. It was fun, but there's a lot of hard work. And that's Vipco's now living on uh, in America via Bayview. So I do understand this taking on a beloved name, a new iteration, which I think some people don't quite understand that you don't have the same access to the library as previous versions. Um, But uh, it's quite interesting to see. I I hope that this flourishes, and I hope that, you know, they're able to do justice and get widespread releases for these titles. I mean, a puppet horror sounds pretty interesting. It's, it's, It's a market that there's got to be some good intrigue for and the still image which i think has come from Abruccio, looks pretty creepy it's a creepy old man puppet with some very realistic old man yellow teeth uh looks quite creepy we'll have to wait and see um how they do hopefully they uh they get some good releases out especially across here in the uk that'd be amazing uh, let's move on behavior potentially teasing new killer for dead by daylight in a found footage video with alan wake already running around in dead by daylight and the time limited lights out event wrapping up early this week behavior interactive are already cooking up hype for what's next the developers released a new teaser video in a found footage format that appears to tease a potential new killer for dead by daylight Behaviour Interactive took to X early today and posted the following video, which echoes one of the more notable scenes from the Blair Witch Project, with a character whispering that someone is pacing around their tent. A cut in the footage then shows the flat being slowly unzipped before whatever it is outside the tent rushes through and attacks the person. We get a few glimpses of whatever it is that's attacking the occupant, but it's frustratingly distorted. Um, needless to say this looks to be an original killer for dead by daylight not a crossover from another franchise as for we'll be getting more info on this killer we'll soundly have to wait however behavior did tease the upcoming in-game event for march with a different image last week but there's a chance that the two are related dead by daylight as well as tome 18 revision which includes alan wake uh, is available now on ps5 ps4 xbox one xbox series nintendo switch and pc via steam the epic game store and the windows store so i have dabbled a bit in dead by daylight again we talked before about me and multiplayer games i don't really play multiplayer games that often i don't really like just playing randoms you know sometimes it can be fun if there's good back and forth other times you kind of just sat in silence or listening to someone just scream or play crap or breathe really heavily into their microphone um but it was fun what i have briefly played dead by daylight one of the more fun asymmetric horrors that I've dabbled in and I will say that I do really appreciate and respect that they don't just keep churning out new game that's slightly you know annually the same as the previous one with slight improvements you know they release a lot of content and yeah sure it is paid content it's additions to the game um, but yeah it's it's supporting that infrastructure to continue for years and years on into the future. It's, it's a game that's a few years old now and um, I, I really do I really do appreciate kind of what they what they go for. Um, and also their crossovers. Really, really quite cool how many, you know uh, when, when I was a kid I was always looking for a good horror game and you'd always kind of think, oh it'd be cool if there was like a Michael Myers horror game or you know, like a Freddy Krueger horror game and Technically they did get released in the eighties and nineties, but they're dog shit like uh eight bit uh side scrollers. They weren't you know, weren't really like that. Um, but now that you can essentially do that, it's 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 pretty very, pretty cool. Uh, Fran in the chat. When are we getting the Dead by Daylight story game for the Dark Pictures team? Ooh. Now that would be pretty interesting. i haven't heard too much about that, Fran. Um that that could be quite cool. That
1: certainly could be quite cool. So, next up, we've got a bit of, bit of a... We've
0: got a bit of a interesting news piece. Um, I've heard this person's name bound around a lot, and I don't actually know who they are or anything about them. But uh, Cuckoo... Hunter Schaefer reveals bonkers new plot details for upcoming horror movie. The marketing thus far behind upcoming horror movie Cuckoo from Neon and director Tillman Singer uh, has been refreshingly enigmatic so far, giving only the barest hints of its plot. New plot details have emerged in a recent Variety interview with the star Hunter Schaefer. Apparently they were in Euphoria. Dunno, never seen it, but I keep hearing, oh, the new Hunter Schaefer film i thought that was a director um and they sound absolutely bonkers the film which comes to theaters on may 3rd in cuckoo reluctantly 17 year old gretchen leaves her american home to live with her father who has just moved into a resort in the german alps with his new family arriving at their future residence they are greeted by mr conig her father's boss who takes an inexplicable uh, inexplicable interest in gretchen's mute half-sister alma something doesn't seem right in this tranquil vacation paradise Gretchen is plagued by strange noises and bloody visions until she discovers a shocking secret that also concerns her own family. Dan Stevens, Jessica Henwick, Martin Cuscuscus, Agrieta Fernandez, and Jan Bluthard also star in Cuckoo. So it's a pretty good cast. I mean, Dan Stevens was very good in The Guest. There's a funny clip from him promoting that on British TV that uh, does the rounds quite regularly on social media um essentially he's he's uh being interviewed for good morning britain or gmtv or whatever whatever it's called at the time not big breakfast or anything like that and uh the 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 female presenter goes so you know it's quite a big big role in a, in a big hollywood film so i imagine that must there must be a lot of other guys up for the role so he had to you know, I imagine you must have had to beat off a lot of other men to get the position. And Dan Stevens just can't help laughing. And she's like, What? Well, there must have been a lot of competition that you had to beat off to get the role. And he's just cracking up. And the other guys, the other presenters, just like, I think it's Ben Shepherd goes, So, yeah, you, there was a lot of other people up for the, the role. And you had to audition, uh, you know, to to get the role to try and. Get the interview back on track but uh, very humorous uh, and jessica henwick i believe was in uh iron fist maybe marvel iron fist and she's very cool in that um so the trailer does not give a lot away so it looks quite interesting um i'm definitely gonna keep an eye out for that one we'll trim down uh we'll trim down the news because there's still quite a bit but uh the, the the night is getting on. So, Christopher Nolan has said that he would love to make a horror movie if he finds a really exceptional idea... Uh, Christopher Nolan. This is all again disgusting news. Christopher Nolan has made a few movies throughout his career that could be considered horror adjacent, from 2002's Insomnia to last year's Oscar nominee Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer has elements of horror in it, definitely, as I think is appropriate to the subject matter. Nolan himself said at an event at London's British Film Institution uh, Institute this week. But what about a full-on horror movie from Christopher Nolan? At the same event, the celebrated filmmaker explained that he'd indeed love to make a true horror movie someday. I think horror films are very interesting because they depend on very cinematic devices. It really is about a visceral response to things, and so at some point I'd love to make a horror film, Nolan said during the BFI conversation. He continued, but I think a really good horror film requires a really exceptional idea, and those are few and far between, so I haven't found a story that lends itself to that. And Nolan also touched upon what appeals to him about the horror genre. But I think it's a very interesting genre from a cinematic point of view. It's also one of the few genres where the studios make a lot of these films, and the they are films that have a lot of bleakness, a lot of ab- abstraction. They have a lot of the qualities that Hollywood is generally very resistant to putting in films, but that's a genre where it's allowable, Nolan explained. These comments are similar to comments Quentin Tarantino made back in 2019 before we knew anything about his upcoming 10th and reportedly final movie. At the time, we were still hopeful that his final movie could be a horror movie, but Tarantino noted in an interview that he wasn't ruling it out. Now that we know more, well, it doesn't seem to be the case. Tarantino had noted, If I come up with a terrific terrific horror film, I will do that as my 10th film, he added. I love horror movies. I would love to do a horror movie.
1: So, would I
0: like to see a Christopher Nolan horror film? Hmm. I must say, my interest in Nolan's films has waned quite a bit uh, in in recent years. I, I never got around to seeing Dunkirk. I imagine Dunkirk is very good, but war films are the sort of films where I enjoy them when I watch them. But the concept just never interests me to go, oh, I fancy watching a war film, if that makes sense. Like, if I'm with a group and they go, oh, let's put on Black Hawk Down, let's put on Save and Private Ryan, I will normally be like, okay, is there anything else on? But then when the film's on, I will enjoy myself. But, um, yeah, I've just I've never been in the situation where someone's wanted to put Dunkirk on, and uh, I haven't had a excuse then not to watch it um but anyway i've ins- I'd, I'd enjoyed the, the films of his that i'd seen previous to that i mean obviously the dark knight trilogy ups and downs but it's generally very good i enjoyed insomnia i enjoyed uh inception tenant i didn't really like to be honest and i haven't seen the prestige and there's a few others i haven't seen memento wasn't really for me um But Tennant, yeah, I didn't really like that. And Oppenheimer I've not bothered watching, because I imagine it's quite depressing. It was probably very good, but I imagine it's quite depressing. So Nolan is one of those directors who... I want to enjoy his films more than I do, because I know how I've really enjoyed previous entries, but mm, not so much these days. Um, And finally, in the horror news eli roth's thanksgiving slashes onto netflix this weekend um i imagine this is netflix america so people in the uk don't get your hopes up too much just yet uh, eli roth's slasher movie thanksgiving initially began as a faux trailer created for the 2007 grindhouse which ended with an ominous voiceover declaring the faux grindhouse film was coming this february it all comes full circle as the new slasher arrives on netflix in February, The Slasher arrives on the streaming service much sooner than expected to. Look for Thanksgiving on Netflix beginning February 17th. In Thanksgiving, after a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terrorises Plymouth, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the infamous holiday. The cast of the feature slasher movie includes Patrick Dempsey, Addison Ray, Jalen Thomas Brooks, Milo Manheim, uh, Nell Váquez, Gina Gershon, Tim Dillon and Rick Hoffman. Roth wrote the script with Jeff Rendell, Roger Burnborn and Eli Roth produced. So, if people haven't seen Thanksgiving, I'd recommend watching it. If you're not really a fan of Eli Roth films, I'd recommend giving it a go, because I think he has finally hit that balance, or rediscovered maybe that balance, of gore with good characterizations, good characters, an interesting killer or villain or protagonists in this. Um, And it moves along at a decent pace. I mean, pacing I don't think has ever really been too much of an issue or too much of a complaint I've had with the Eli Roth films. But just having that balance of humor in the right moments, tension in the right moments, and just having it kind of flow nicely... He's definitely, he's definitely kind of found that, I think, with Thanksgiving. I, I I quite enjoyed it. I have to say, I quite enjoyed that. But anyway, guys and gals and ghouls and fiends, that is it for this week in the horror news. That was good news. Oh, God, that's too early. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, ho, that was the news. Oh ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, There we go. There we go. Right, we are into review land. Oh, bollocks, you know what I haven't done? I haven't, I've added in all the other images, except the one that we are discussing for for the review. What a moron I am. So apologies, you're gonna get random editing on screen. Because I'm a goober,
1: but we reviewed Five Nights at Frederico's.
0: So, Five Nights at Freddy's is a 2023 American supernatural horror film based on the Five Nights at Freddy's video game series, created by Scott Cawthon, directed by Emma Timmy, who co wrote the screenplay with Cawthon and Seth. The film stars Josh Hodgson as a troubled security guard who starts a job at an abandoned pizzeria and family entertainment centre, where he discovers the animatronic mascots are possessed by homicidal children. Elizabeth Lale, Paper Rubio... Mary Stuart Masterson and Matthew Lillard also star. Development of Five Nights at Freddy's film, the film adaptation began in April 2015 under the direction of Warner Brothers Pictures. Roy Lee, David Katzenberger and Seth Graham Smith were set to produce it, with Gil Keenan announced as director and co-writer. After multiple production delays, Keenan resigned from the project and further development of the film was transferred from Warner Brothers to Jason Blum's Blumhouse Productions. Chris Columbus was hired to direct and co write, ultimately leaving the project and being replaced by Emma Tammy in October 2022. With a budget of 20 million, filming from February to April in New Orleans um, and surrounding communities, it was released for streaming on Peacock and theatrically in the United States on October 27, 2023. The film received generally negative reviews from critics, but was a commercial success, grossing 295 million and becoming Blumhouse's. Highest-grossing film worldwide, surpassing split. That is quite an achievement. 20 mil budget, 295.8 million box office. Um, so. Uh, my tutor George does that exact thing at college. (laughs) Ah, fair play. Fair play. Uh, fair play to that, uh, Eddie, in the chat. Um, so... Five Nights at Freddy's. I have been aware of the film series. Okay, we've briefly talked about this upcoming... Well, when it was just still upcoming film. Um, Yeah, the hype around the trailers, thoughts on trailers. And my experience with Five Nights at Freddy's going into this, which was limited. I had seen the odd... Reaction channels, things like Smosh Games playing Five Nights at Freddy's, or, or other streamers playing Five Nights at Freddy's, and it very much gave me the impression this is a jump scare game series, um, very very kind of low res graphics, you know, uh, independent or sort of, independently sort of made video game, right? I was aware there'd been a lot of sequels and, you know, very very sort of big fandom in that regard, but I wasn't quite aware. ...of how much of a media franchise there is. There's a whole kind of connected book series or comics... ...and there's quite a lot of lore there... ...which has been expanded, I guess, from the video games... ...into various spin-offs and, like I say, the uh, the, the various adjacent uh, history. But with that being said, when the trailers came out for the film... ...I found myself thinking, I've not played the games... The trailers look very similar to that Nicolas Cage film that I always forget the name, Willie's Wonderland, that's the one, um, with Nicolas Cage in which when that came out, I thought, well, this is just a knockoff of Five Nights at Freddy's. I can tell that without having played any Five Nights at Freddy's. So when the film trailers for Five Nights at Freddy's came out, I thought, well, this just looks very similar to Willie's Wonderland. Um, nothing really sort of enticed me. Matthew Lillard being back in a, in a horror film was interesting, but uh, Josh Hutchison was one of those guys who I'm aware that he's in films. I don't know if I've ever seen him in any films. I know he's in The Hunger Games. I've never seen any of The Hunger Games, because I just assumed it was a knockoff of Battle Royale. Um well, I still stand by that. Um, but... As I said, I wanted a new horror film to watch. I've I'd gotten, I'd gotten sick of scrolling through Prime, Shudder, Netflix, Sky. That's probably it. Um, and I figured, let's pay a couple of quid to rent this. Why not? A couple of quid's a couple of quid. You know, spend more on that on a coffee if I go past, like, a Starbucks or something. And I had a pretty good time, actually. I had a pretty good time. So we'll do what we normally do. We'll talk about the brief start of the blurb so at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza an abandoned pizzeria and family entertainment centre that was once successful a nice security guard attempts to flee from the building but is captured and stretched, strapped to a torture device which kills him Sometime later, Mool security guard Mike Schmidt is fired for assaulting a negligent father whom he mistook for a kidnapper. Mike's career counsellor, Steve Raglan, offers him a job as a night guard at Freddy's. Though initially reluctant, Mike accepts after social services threaten to take custody of his younger sister, Abby, and pass her to their estranged aunt, Jane, who desires the custody's monthly payments. So, we we go with uh, Mike to this freddy's fast bears um pizzeria and he sees the animatronics and they do the music actually is pretty good in this i will will straight off the bat say Uh, one of the songs that the animatronics play to is i think the band was called the romantics called talking in your sleep and i found it quite funny because that's a song that had come on spotify ages ago i just i wanted like a classic rock playlist for a, a drive back from the gym when i used to live in gillingham and i'd get to go to the gym in Yeovil. it's about a half hour drive or so and i fancied something a bit different a bit more low key and chill and that came on and i was like you know what i don't know anything about this band as far as i'm aware they're one hit wonders but i quite like that song I haven't really heard it anywhere else or in anything so it's quite nice hearing it here and there's a couple of other classic hits uh, that get peppered in
1: Excuse me, throughout the film. But, um... We we get a glimpse into
0: why Mike snapped at this estranged father. He has some childhood trauma uh, involving the kidnapping of his younger brother, Garrett. And he is kind of going into this dream world in 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 these moments when he's at Freddy's. But the film gets expanded by introducing more characters he meets a uh, a cop um who knows a lot about the uh, the building we get to know a bit more about the animatronics so freddy fazbear bonnie chica foxy and mr cupcake um oh, oh. we get a pretty cool moment where some people try to call, try to cause a bit of mischief and uh, it's not go well i will just kind of say it like that it's things get pretty dark pretty quickly and um there's a lot of blood uh, <laughs> it's very full-on uh not like overtly gory just the implication of some of the deaths is like a fucking hell that was intense um but this does quite this this moves along at a nice pace it's 109 minutes never drags um I think the story was actually really quite good in this. Um, The connection between the characters, between finding out a bit more about um, the connections that some people may have with the the pizzeria, finding out if the animatronics are really nefarious, if they're bad guys, misunderstood, if they are powered elsewhere... And what is really going on? Are they ghosts? Are they evil robots? We, we get those, those answers and, and a few other things. Um, it also does that right mix of comedic moments without being overtly silly. You got some, There's a comic relief moment a couple of times, actually, with, uh, with a taxi driver, which was quite humorous. Um, it certainly got a chuckle out of me. But on the whole, I actually had quite a bit of fun with this film. And I think that was a surprise for me, just because I thought "Ah, doesn't, you know, I know it's done gangbusters, like it's been hugely successful. um, And I think it's already easily had uh, uh, another film has been announced. Yeah, there could be a second film that follows the events of the second game. um, Potentially. Um, Oh, and Hutchison has revealed that a sequel is in development. So that's good. So I I generally generally enjoyed this film. I think the performance is a pretty good. Josh Hutchison was a pretty good lead. Um, you know, he he made you feel bad for him because of his situation. The situation being him caring for his younger um, younger sister and his clearly. He's clearly not in a stable situation to be caring for his his sister, so he has those troubles. Uh, alongside, then, also, the he has this kind of self-imposed guilt about what happened to his brother, that he wasn't able to stop whoever took his brother.
1: Um, yeah, I think it was, it was done pretty well. Um... Duh, 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 duh. Sorry, I was just reading something in the cast list, and I
0: I got a bit confused if one of the characters was playing two roles, but they weren't. I, I was getting uh, I was getting a bit con- sidetracked and confused by reading the de- the detail. So, what would I give this film as a score out of ten? Initially, when I put it on, I was thinking, eh, you know, if this is if this gets a six out of me. Um, six out of ten i'll be happy with that but no actually i really quite enjoyed it you know and i enjoyed it so much that straight after the film ended went on wikipedia i read up a bit more about the story lore i read into the bite of 83 because i i had heard (laughs) funnily enough because i do watch um they do a podcast which is pretty good the the audio levels are terrible but it's, it's a pretty good podcast and uh, a couple of the gamer guys had convinced Amanda, who's uh, more of a mature uh, female part of the cast, and she's not doesn't really game much, they kind of convinced her that Five Nights at Freddy's is based on a true story, <laughs> and about a, 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 an awful event that happened in 1983. And it's all just lore from the game, but she was like, oh my god, how have I never heard of this? <laughs> uh, yeah, whether that was genuine or not, I don't know, but it was quite funny. So... How many Lillards out of ten? Well, the thing is, I think Matthew Lillard in his role in this, I think, was brilliant. It's Matthew Lillard. I mean, he elevates anything he's in. Whether you like Scream or not, I mean, he was in, is it Bad Girls? Or Good Girls? The Netflix series? I watched the first couple of seasons of that. I I never go around to finishing it. Um, But he was very good in that with, um... Uh... Hendrix, Christina Hendrix. Um... Yeah, Fran, her and Shane have recently played one and two on the game channel, honestly. I think it was when they were playing the second game, I I was just cracking up because they were so tense, they'd got to night three or four, Shane was playing it, and Amanda was just there, so in the moment, going, lights, camera, play the, play the machine, play the machine, lights, good, good, flash the lights, okay, do the camera, check the room, mask on, and it was just in... In the mode, and I was there waiting for the jump scare, and I was very much involved in very, very good video actually. Them them playing it because you've got someone who isn't a gamer playing with someone who is a gamer, and um, very entertaining. But so, I enjoyed it so much, as so that I ended up going on to I thought, you know what, I don't play that much of my Switch, but when I do, it might be 10 minutes of Super Mario Bros. uh, Wonder. Final Fantasy X, just sort of dip in for a few minutes. But I do want to play a bit bit more of my Switch just for the convenience of moving it about. But I, I had a look. How much is Five Nights at Freddy's? And you can get, like, a six-game collection for 35 quid. And I thought, mm, not right now. That's I haven't really... I haven't budgeted that much of my entertainment budget, you know, for this point in the month to buy a video game, but they had the first game available on Switch for £6, and I thought, I never thought I would want to play a Five Nights at Freddy's game, because it's never appealed to me that much, and, um, (laughs) yeah, it was actually, like, really, really good. Um, It's very basic in its concept, um, in terms of power management, but I only got to, like, I was getting, getting so worked up, and then when all of a sudden I was watching the cameras and I could just hear, and I took the camera off and got attacked, it just it got a jump scare at me. A Switch, a Nintendo Switch game made me jump. Playing a handheld game made me jump, I didn't think that was possible. So, and I, I, like I said, I never would have played it without uh, watching the film and enjoying it. So I'm going to give the film 8 out of 10. Um oh. I, I certainly think it was uh, entertaining. Um, good mix of humour without being over the top. Really good story development. I think it just it, it gave you the nuggets peppered in. It mixed in the chicken mcnuggets into your meal without overloading them at the start or burying them all at the bottom. You got little nuggets of info here and there that kept you interested but didn't give too much away just
1: yet. And the reveal near the end of a a big bad, let's just say. I thought it was really well
0: done. Really good. Um, Great performances all around. Um, Eddie also says, Mark Plyer has the best reactions to Five Nights at Freddy's. That's a streamer or content creator that I've heard of his name. I know he's very big. I've never seen any of his streams. Um, So maybe I'll have to check out his Five Nights at Freddy's reactions uh, at some point definitely but i'm giving an eight out of ten i had a good time five nights at freddy's now without further ado it's time that we start talking about some hairy scaries and it's time that we went over to our featured presentation <laughs>
1: Okie dokey. I think the clip might have uh, staggered a bit there.
0: Oh well. Uh, Fran in the chat says, If you start on the Game Theory series of Final of at Freddy's videos, there's a big rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, to be honest, maybe that's got to be my next port of call is uh, Final Nuts at Freddy's theories uh, on, on YouTube. Because um, I've sort of gone through Wikipedia got a good gist of how the story develops across the games but yeah really well done actually thoroughly surprised by that expecting to give it a 6 gave it an 8 i thought it was good so as mentioned at the top of the show we are talking about hairy scaries today we are going to be talking about cryptozoology in horror and we are going to talk specifically about yeah boy bigfoot so, for better or worst, for better or worst, for better or worse, I have watched four Bigfoot films uh, in the last week,
1: and it has been a task and a half. It has taken <laughs>
0: some—it's <laughs> taken some gumption. Um, so i think there is a reason why you don't really hear of many legendary bigfoot horror films you know it's not like shark attack where you can say oh jaws that's a classic ah no i prefer a more modern thing like the meg oh no you know i prefer my sharks a bit more smaller and vicious so they're not sharks but i prefer my amphibian horror uh with something that's more small and vicious like piranha uh oh no, if I want a an, an animal attack video, I'll look at lot. Like, Lake Placid or Crocodile or Alligator, I think actually. Um Animal Attacks. It's quite a rich genre of you know, you you also got some stinkers, but you got some quality ones there for every Anaconda. There's anaconda hunt for blood orchard. Um for every um alligator, there's Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Or oh, whichever way around it's called. Um I mean spider horror is one of those ones that's just not really very well done arachnophobia is good but it's not out and out horror but there's plenty of spider horror films that are absolute dog shite i remember watching one i think it might have just been called spider or arachnid and i thought oh oh i can't watch that i love my horror but i can't watch that because the artwork on the vhs at my video rental place was this enormous like spider the size of a building and i just thought that just looks too scary i don't know if i'd be able to cope watching that and when i was going i was deathly afraid of spiders means as i've grown up it's like don't like them but just as long as they're not getting all up in my personal space fine who gives a shit um but as a kid yeah i was terrified And I remember catching it one time on the sci-fi channel, much older, more teenage years, and still being a little bit trepidatious about putting it on. And then I realised, man, this is a terrible film. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the spider looks ridiculous. It's melting people left, right and centre. It's not not very well done. Also, we've got, you know, the sci-fi element with the fly talking about, you know, animal or insect attacks. So and there's also a film which I keep meaning to check out because I keep seeing clips of it on X and I think it came out in like the mid-90s called Mosquito um, and that looks insane but I think that's one of those films that probably never really got a big UK release so it might be more of a online search through whatever methods you use anyway we're now here to talk about oh, pretty sure my uh, phone's going to start talking to me we are here to talk about cryptozoology
1: uh Bigfoot specifically. So I can't say I've
0: watched much Bigfoot horror. We talked about it um, back in the start of the show that it's something where you think... Why hasn't there been more renowned Bigfoot horror films? And I don't, still don't know. I, I, I don't really know if there is a reason why.
1: Maybe is it literally just the case of no quality effort has been put into it? Well, I don't necessarily
0: think that is true. Is it that studios think, oh, no one cares. No one cares about Bigfoot part of me wonders that but then you get a lot of those quote-unquote reality shows that will harp on about the hunt for bigfoot the hunt for the sasquatch i think even uh jack osborne who used to be a bit of a comedy character when i was growing up because the osborne's was a big show and he always seemed like a moody a moody chump uh, but I actually really like his Portals to Hell series and there's another show that he had on Discovery or really called uh, Evil Spots or something like that, I'm not sure but that was pretty good, I actually quite like his his paranormal content um, I think my sister uh, Carrie Payne got me into uh, into that stuff went um, into his shows some of the stuff she recommends is absolutely awful she enjoys it, so fair play um we uh, they, they they have tons of those sort of shows about the hunt for Sasquatch, the hunt for the you know, abominable snowman, or not so much the abominable snowman, but you know Bigfoot, hunt for Sasquatch, things like that. So there does seem to be an interest there. You know, there are people that are just certain that they're out there, and that that forms the crux for a number of these films. I think essentially, essentially all of them, although sometimes it's wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time—that sort of scenario. So we are going to start off with the oldest of the bunch, the legend of Boggy Creek. Now I did struggle through this. It's a doc—you're <laughs> going to hear that quite a bit, I think, for the remainder of the show. Uh, it's a 1972 American docudrama film about the folk monster. A Bigfoot-type creature that reportedly has been seen in and around the Folk-Arkansas since area since the 1940s. Now, I've never heard of the Folk Monster. Um, in Arkansas folklore, the Folk Monster, also known as the Boggy Creek Monster and the Swamp Stalker, is purportedly to be an ape-like creature similar to descriptions of Bigfoot that was alleged to that uh, was allegedly sighted in the rural town of Folk, Arkansas, during the early 70s. The creature was alleged to have attacked a local family. It has since become part of the Arkansas folklore. It has also influenced local culture and folk, with some businesses capitalising on the local lore. Stories of the creature influenced the 1972 docudrama horror um, The Legend of Boggy Creek, which became the 11th highest-grossing film of 1972 and is today considered to be a cult classic. I, I struggled with it. Um We'll we'll move on back from to the to the film. So it is when it says a docudrama film, it does it's claiming to be a true story, and it's jumping between these documentary moments uh detailing talk about this Bigfoot type creature that's been seen by residents since the forties. Um it's got a foul odour, it's covered in reddish brown hair, and it's got three toed tracks leaving along the way. Um, the film was directed by Charles B. Pearce, written by Early Smith, starring William Stump, Chuck Pierce Jr., Vern
1: Sturman, and Willie E. Smith. Um... <laughs> yeah, this one didn't so much feel like a film film. Now, that might sound derogatory and
0: you know i it's kind of like it's almost found footage that isn't found footage because the whole concept of found footage is usually meaning that everyone's dead and the footage has been found that's kind of where the term comes from isn't it you know blair witch project is these students were making a uh a film and went missing in the woods and these tapes were recovered a couple of years later whatever it is and you know cannibal holocaust people are making a film called green inferno this is their the tapes recovered so you generally know what you're getting when you're going into it um or you know just the cameras got dropped or whatever it is but the whole concept of found footage is the footage has been found meaning it's been lost by the previous occupants, usually due to death. But this isn't someone going down that route. It's the the mixture of docudrama, horror film. Um, And that didn't really nail it for me. I don't know if it was too early to really kind of uh, iron out the kinks in that format. Too much of an early adopter of it, maybe. I don't know. Um, The monster in it. I mean, when does Bigfoot look good in a film? That's 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 the struggle. That's maybe part of the reason why a lot of companies
1: or directors haven't made a good Bigfoot horror. It's because is there a good Bigfoot horror? I don't
0: think so. Um Notable scenes in this. I mean, there's the attack on the attack on the family house later on in the film. Oh, you know, you know. <laughs> it looked like it was made for a shoestring, um, budget was 160k, which in today's money is, well, in if that value is applied to a film today, I mean, for an independent, independent, independent filmmaker, oh, that's a lot of money, for any sort of indie production, then that's a bit of a shoestring, like a natural indie production. Yeah, and you could tell. Um, so i wasn't really a big fan of the legend of boggy creek the next film we are going to discuss was the first of the films from this sort of little period of watching uh bigfoot horror and i say bigfoot horror because i don't think you even see bigfoot in this and i call bullshit on that um <laughs> this is a found footage film willow creek 2013 found footage it is also on amazon prime so that influenced me watching it because uh, it was readily available um it's directed written and directed by bobcat gold um, goldthwaite which i was very surprised to see his name in it so he was in um the police academy films very famous for being in the police academy films zed um i also remember him from there's a uh, a comedy uh, black comedy action horror-ish film not really horror but action film called god bless america where someone just basically has a bit of a breakdown and decides you know what i'm gonna go on a killing spree because people are absolutely assholes and it's it's pretty good actually it's a pretty entertaining film so i was surprised to see his name uh attached to it uh but you know what actually not bad stars so alexi gilmore and bryce johnson as a couple who venture into the woods of willow creek california in search of material for their documentary on bigfoot law so it's it's kind of i guess the setup for a lot is the impression i get of bigfoot films and you could say essentially for a lot of um found footage films in general going out to a location to look into something um doesn't seem like anything's there turns out actually something is there end of but it is done quite well um it's again that's the thing it's not breaking any new ground um it's a taut 79 minute film doesn't outstay its welcome performances are fine it is just the plot is quite threadbare There isn't much to it and it's a big foot film at the end of the day but um following them on their documentary they're nice enough characters the people they interact with are all quite kind of unique and have their own kind of character they see a missing poster in the town for a woman, and you know, ooh, is that Bigfoot? And they meet some locals who don't take kindly to chatter about Bigfoot. Um, when they go to the location where the infamous Patterson-Gimlin film, the footage, supposedly a Bigfoot was shot, they meet quite an angry man who sends them back the way they came, unless they want trouble. They end up going out into the woods, um, setting up their tent. And again, it's it's done decent, but it is generic by the numbers found footage um, of being in the tent, hearing sounds, hearing rustling, hearing inhuman sort of growling sounds. Um, but it is done well for what it is doing. So it does create moments of tension where you're just sat there like, oh, shit. Is something going to burst through the front of the tent or rip into the side of the tent? Um, Eddie in the chat. I'm going to go head off, Tez. Have a good night. See you all next time. Thanks very much, Eddie. Catch you later, dude. Have a good one. Um, There's moments like that. But the finale, when things... It it does the the Blair Witch thing. Let's bring up Blair Witch again. But it does the Blair Witch thing again of... uh, Going to leave the woods, but ending up almost getting trapped. Now, with Blair, which there's the theories of. They're kind of entering a bit of a time vortex. The witch itself as a character is controlling the woods. The woods are the witch. Various things you could say there. So once you've entered, it'll only allow you to leave if it does. time moving differently, like Rustin Parr's house appearing, which wasn't there before, and all these sort of theories. Who knows really what the original intention was and what is canon and all that malarkey. But it... um it, it does that moment of, oh, we've already passed this tree and relationships are starting to get a bit fractured and whatnot. But we do get quite a tense finale. Again, it's <laughs> I have to pepper in the good with the bad, because the bad is, is very generic. But it it does create these moments of tension. Um, the tagline on the poster I can see here is the monster movie of the summer. I don't know what publication gave them that gave it the tagline because the reason why I have a bit of a mm, with it is I don't think you see any any creature in it that I don't think there's even a glimpse uh, supposedly there's a brief moment of a foot I didn't notice that um personally uh, I may not have been fully paying attention. It's quite possible with me. Uh, but yeah, I... There's definitely something. I mean, because the killing which occurs off camera is very scary. I will just kind of say it. Because you're then thinking with these characters, I'll oh, just get away, just get away, just run. Um, but uh, yeah... I will just say, this is available on Prime. It's less than an hour and a half. It's 79 minutes. If you like a found footage film, give it a watch. Um, I, would, I, would, I would say, though, don't go into expecting a big, Bigfoot Killer Machine monster film, because you don't see Bigfoot, as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, the next film, again, this is available on Prime, and I thought, oh, okay, the title is Bigfoot um what more could you want um but the the other title for it in other properties or other areas for the property i should say is hoax and this was a hoax on my time i <laughs> don't know if that's harsh to say but it's, it's true it's a dread central film whether that means anything good or bad i don't know uh directed by and written by Matt Allen, also written by Scott Park, produced by Matt Allen, Mitch Dickman, Michael Haskin. Um the the cast isn't terrible. You got um Cheryl Texier, I don't know who she is, Ben Browder, Hutch Dano, who I think was like a Disney actor or something. Um I I only recognise Hutch Dano because he was in Zombievers, which is actually quite a fun uh quite a funny little horror comedy. Uh, Brian Thompson. So, Brian Thompson, fans of any sort of genre TV should know Brian Thompson. He also had a very small role in the Terminator and the not-so-good thriller um, Cobra starring uh, Sylvester Sloan. But I remember Brian Thompson specifically... I mean, he's not dead or anything, so as I say, right, while well, I remember him, as a, as a character actor. He was a bounty hunter in uh, The X-Files. He was, I believe, was he called Joseph? Luke? I think he was called Luke in, um... Oh, my God, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was also played the judge in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I believe. Yes, right, B- Buffy's the judge. So I think he had two characters in that. He was definitely in the first episode as uh, as as Luke and then also the judge let me just check that yeah Luke and welcome to Hawamouth and the harvest and then a bit later on as the judge in surprise and innocence loads of other things charm star trek enterprise chuck the orville loads of things um alien nation next generation Oh, did he play the same character? No, he's played... ...multiple Star Trek characters, actually. So he's in Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, another character in Deep Space Nine, um, Star Trek Enterprise, and, of course, Shao Kahn and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which was terrible. Um, lo- loads of other things. Just a character actor. But, you know, I saw he he was in it, and I thought, okay... I haven't seen him in much. He's not a bad actor, you know. He's he he plays the roles well. Um, this is a odd film, so. Six college students are attacked by an unknown creature while camping in the wilderness, five being killed while one, Alex Barnes, goes missing. The incident is dubbed the Mountaineering Massacre. Sometime later, struggling film producer Rick Paxton approaches a former employer, Roger Brannan, and pitches to him the idea for a hit show that spins the massacre as a Bigfoot attack rather than what the police suspect is a bear attack. Brannan agrees, so long as Paxton can provide him with proof first. So they assemble a car like a crew to do this investigation, but clear it's one of those things where clearly the producer is a bit of a bad guy, and he doesn't care about his staff's welfare and the security guard then starting to grow um concerned about um
1: you know the the welfare of everyone else there. But it's uh, this
0: the reason that this is called hoax makes sense when I was watching the film because
1: whilst whilst it initially seems like a Bigfoot film it isn't really a Bigfoot film. But then it technically is but for the most part it
0: isn't. So they end up running into uh, a woman in her shack because the attacks are starting to come thick and fast. Uh, one of the characters gets their throat torn out in front of people. Someone else gets bitten on the leg and it's all gnarly. The kills are pretty pretty crazy, but it is it is a low, schlocky film, so don't expect much quality. But the kills are there. Um, they are up running into this cabin for help. Um, opened... Uh, the door's open by a woman called Charlotte who lets them in but knocks them unconscious. Uh, they then find themselves tied to chairs while the woman and her two insane sons uh, look on. It reveals that the brothers have been posing as monsters to direct a suspicion away from themselves as they are a family of cannibalistic serial killers. Uh, Luke drags Justin into the cabin and clubs him to death before bringing him into a shed to remove his innards. So you're like, oh right, okay, so there isn't actually a Bigfoot in this film. It's all a ruse to cover up for a murderous family. Fine. Um
1: But there is an actual Bigfoot at the very end. So what's the point? <laughs> I mean
0: it's also got yeah, I should also mention it's got also got Adrian um Barbeau in this, who's been in a ton of things. I think she's been in the few yeah, The Fog and Escape from New York, Creepshow Swamp Thing. Um, she's voiced Catwoman in the DC Animated Universe. She's been in a ton of things. Uh, Anthony Ray Parker, I don't recognise the name. Shoshana Bush, don't recognise them. Uh, yeah, Robert Ben Benedict Browder's been in Farscape and Stargate SG-1. So there's a few actors in this who have been in Things You May Have Seen. But don't let that fool you into thinking that this is a good Bigfoot film. It's real by the numbers, real sci-fi channel kind of quality, I think is, is fair to say. Um, yeah, it was a hoax on my time and attention. But finally, we've talked actually, and this wasn't planned in terms of the discussion, but where some of these films are found footage, I can't help but... Talk about you know one of the the big found footage films, Blair Witch Project, and this the last film we're going to talk about is a film called Exists, and it was directed by Eduardo Sanchez, who's one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project. Um, it's 2014 found footage horror. Um, I think this is the last feature film that uh, that he has directed. Done a few other sort of like short films, but uh, yeah, the last feature film. Um, Direction Um, It stars Chris Osborne and Samuel Davis The story revolves around a group of friends Hunted by something in the woods of East Texas Following the darker psychological tone Of Sanchez's previous film Lovely Molly The film returns to the creature feature horror of Altered Also written by Jamie Nash Now I have seen Altered It was alright it, it wasn't great but it was alright so stars the stars Dora Madison Burge, Brian Steele and Samuel Davis. So, brothers Brian and Matt invite a group of friends um, on a camping trip to their Uncle Bob's cabin in East Texas. Driving on the forest road, Matt hits something with the car and stops to investigate. The group hears loud animal cries in the distance, but dismisses them. Finding the road blocked by a fallen tree, the group continues on foot and reaches the cabin, only to discover that it is dilapidated. The group decides to spend the night in the car, where Brian and Matt again hear the loud cries. Um...
1: So, so
0: okay. This is a purely found footage type film. The majority of it is uh, is it's all either a mixture of GoPro uh, for one of the characters when they're riding on their push bike, um, also using cameras
1: night vision so they can see in the dark for some moments. Um. So I uh, I actually thought this was quite inventive with its found footage approach.
0: It kind of gave me a vibe of, um, I think the film was called not Upgrade. What am I talking about? Oh, the film with Dane DeHaan where him and his friends get superpowers, but he becomes a bit of a supervillain. I can't remember the title of it, but it was a pretty decent found footage type film. And this hasn't got superpowers in it at all, but in terms of taking a uh, an adventurous approach to found footage with some of the moments, not just being stuck in, we're running in the woods and we're in the woods and you can't really see anything. There's moments when you do quite clearly see a decent looking Bigfoot jumping from high up onto their kind of cabin that's falling off the side of this ledge you get some good moments of peril here i mean the story itself again is fairly threadbare i think is fair to say but the creature attacks are pretty well done um you've got the right mixture of attacks in the dark so you only catch glimpses to full-on attacks in the daytime there's a moment when one of the characters is riding their bike with their GoPro on, and they're hooning it on their bike, but they can see parallel to them as the Bigfoot running. They're terrified. They come off their bike and break their leg, and you can just see the Bigfoot approaching, and uh, it's kind of implied as to what happened, but uh, we'll do you get the reveal a bit later on? But it's not bad. The story, like I say, the setup is threadbare, but the story is okay as it kind of continues, and we kind of see that there is a um we kind of see that there is a reason behind why this is occurring which is a bit rare for there to be that much sort of development in a uh in a bigfoot script but i think out out of all of these kind of bigfoot films this one had a little bit of something to it i think the bigfoot looked quite good it wasn't outlandish um, in terms of as, as far as Bigfoot characters can go. Um, but it served its purpose. And I think when the bar is set quite so low, as it is for Bigfoot films, what more can you ask for than for a film to serve its purpose? Um, you know, you're, you're working with the bare minimum here, so we have to take what we can get. But that is it for the Hairy Scaries. We've uh, we've talked a lot about news. We've talked a lot about... Well, mainly news. There wasn't much in the, in the way of reviews this week. Uh, but I've had a great time uh, chatting with y'all this evening. Now, we're going to do a watch party. I'm going to step away, stretch the legs, check on, uh, check on the fam. Um, maybe grab another drink, although don't know maybe not i've got water stick to water uh but i'm gonna stretch my legs for a couple of minutes stick around if you're watching live we will we will look at what's available on a watch party i think it's probably safest to just find a film which we know is probably going to be entertaining and good and not gamble on another hour and a half of bullshit you know waste of time Um, i also need to check on the dogs because no doubt they are crossing their legs or peeing in the living room which is the worst case scenario um but yeah, stick around if you're watching live. We'll stop the recording in a moment. Uh, if you're listening on podcast platforms, please do like, follow, share it around, whatever. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, it's uh, on X or Twitter. I prefer saying Twitter. is ministry underscore horror. Check, her out, check us out, give us a follow. I need to get better at posting things on there. I tend to just do de- scroll on, on Twitter uh, as opposed to posting. But uh, anyway... Stick around, otherwise, see you next time.